Hey, paisanos, it's the Bill and Ted Face the Music Super Show. Let's rock! Hello and welcome to Who Watches, and this is our Bill and Ted Face the Music Super Show. I'm Travis Fishburn. I'm Alex Brunel. And tonight we have a special guest joining us. He is a writer for Gizmodo and io9, uh, Jermaine Lucier. Thank you for joining us uh, to talk about the movie tonight. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Just yeah. Fun. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I'm very excited that you're here. Travis, Travis turned me on to Slash Film like 12 or 13 years ago or something. And I read your work for a long time there. Read it currently still. So it's a pleasure to have you with us, sir. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I was a slash film reader too before I became on there, so uh, I uh, sympathize. I get this on nice. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, still, where I get the vast majority of my of my media news. Um, but the moment that we'd all been waiting for in 2020 has come, and that's the new Bill and Ted movie finally came out, and uh, I. In my in my opinion, this was a most triumphant film, um, and I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, so I guess I don't know. Let's just start with uh, with some general reactions. Um, Jermaine, you want to start us off? Sure. Yeah, uh, I agree. I uh, I really really enjoyed it. I was. It's one of those movies, you know, like that when it started, I'm like, wait, am I actually watching this? This is finally happening. Yeah. I'm waiting. <laughs> You know, probably, you know, the last movie came out in 91, but this, we've been waiting for like 10 years for this movie. Never thought it was going to happen. So it takes a little bit of time for you to be like, okay, all right, let me settle in here. Yeah. Um, and I think the movie is kind of like that too. It's kind of not exactly sure. It takes a little bit, it takes a little bit to really kind of kick into high gear. Um, and when it does kick into high gear, there's a lot going on. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I think it takes kind of the best parts of uh, Excellent Adventure and some of the best parts of Bogus Journey and kind of like puts them on the same track and then puts it, you know, right to the end. So, like, for, for not only is it a really funny, sweet movie, uh, I really love it as a cap to the franchise. I do, too. Uh, I, I totally agree on all those points. Um, uh, some of the best elements, like... Just the fun, like traveling through time and picking out historical figures element from Excellent Adventure is replayed very nicely. Weirder, like the weirder elements of Bogus Journey, we got like death and killer robots from the future and hell come back in this in a big bad way. And uh, some of my favorite parts of the movie. Um, Travis, how about you? Well, uh, as you know, I had not seen Bogus Journey until this weekend. (laughs) I was... That's blasphemy to me I because I grew up with Bill and Ted. Here's, here's my Bill and Ted action figures right here. The rest of them are on the shelf behind me. But uh, I'm a Bill and Ted diehard. So the fact that my good friend here hadn't seen Bogus Journey up until a few days ago is like baffling to me. We all have, we all have our, uh, <laughs> our little blind spots. It's true. Yeah. And when I watched it, I was like, oh my gosh, like I, I'm enjoying this way more than I thought I would. And had I watched it earlier, I might have enjoyed it as much, if not more than excellent adventure. Um, but going right into face the music, I, I really loved the way that this movie just set everything up. And like you said, Jermaine, like pulls off like all these amazing things from the first two films. Um, 
and just retains so much. Uh, one of the things I love the most is just the consistency of all of the the jokes going throughout it. <laughs> like yeah. right off the bat with Missy's wedding. Oh yeah, this is a spoiler-filled podcast, by the oh, way. Oh yeah, yeah, I was good. I was just about to. Oh, Anybody I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> spoilers abound. Spoilers all day. Okay. We're not holding back. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. The the fact that she's married to Declan and like <laughs> they hold it back is so perfect. Yeah, that whole speech is just a beautiful way to kind of like wrap up the story of the the uh, you know the other generation kind of. Yeah. Really, really funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the opening scene slayed me. I've seen the I've seen the whole movie twice now. I've watched the opening scene more than twice. Uh, <laughs> but just that that opening scene, just the very idea of Missy getting married to Deacon now. And and uh, Ted's dad being his own son. Yeah. <laughs> and all these that things. line he gives and the look he gives back, like, <laughs> what? Yeah, I will say, like, the, the right from that scene is where you know um, Billy. I think is it Billy who's doing the narration? Yeah, I think or so. It, it's but Billy, yeah, yeah, so like when she goes over kind of everything that we missed, you know, obviously it's a very very needed. But Travis, I'm curious, having just watched Bogus Journey, and I. I'd seen it when it came out, but I watched it again recently. I really felt like they were bigger in Bonus Journey. You know, like after that, like they play on Mars at the end of the movie, you know? And then this, like they became successful to cover Rolling Stone and all this stuff, but they weren't like as, they didn't feel like it meshed to me. What do you guys think? Yeah, because the end of Bogus Journey is a big old montage of, like you said, like all of their successes. And they, they talk a little bit about that, about how, there, there was this like breakup and how things just kind of went downhill. Uh, but you'd think. Yeah, I just didn't feel like I, that was, it's one of my few little gripes with the movie is that like they got at the end of the bogus journey, at least in my head, they got, they got, you know, intergalactic. Right. And, mm-hmm. and in Face the Music, they became very famous. They became like right. Nickelback or something, you know? Right, right. They weren't like the Beatles, like they kind of are at the end of Bogus Journey. And they never quite covered that. I mean, I, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it, that, that I was like, oh, I feel like they were bigger at the end of that movie. But again, maybe, you know, I, I, I wasn't, didn't get a chance to talk to the writers or anything, but maybe like that Mars thing was just kind of a joke. Yeah, maybe, that, there was, yeah. there is actually a reason for it. And again, this is like my Bill and Ted nerd pedantry coming out. But uh, um, the writers did not write that postscript to Bogus Journey. Oh, all of that okay. headline stuff, that was all created by the title house that did the closing credits so they came up with like actually what happened to bill and ted after the movie and the writers saw it and were like oh we didn't we didn't do that (laughs) oh i had no idea that Um, i had no idea that that makes that makes so much more sense right which is like so i've been reading that in in opinions uh online and being like oh i guess not everybody listened to the commentary on the bill and ted's bogus journey (laughs) blu-ray there's probably like 15 of us that listened to that and learned that (laughs) Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to maybe credit you, Alex, but write about that because that's fascinating because I didn't know that like because yeah it it doesn't quite match and then and then I thought about that for about 15 seconds right and then I was right back in you know right like, I was like okay let's just go and that's the thing about Bill and Ted movies I mean if we're thinking about the the time travel logic for more than like 30 seconds it just breaks down and you just have too many questions so you just have to right. accept that what the movie shows you happened that's what's happening and just go with it. Yeah, especially this one. It's especially like this one. Crazy <laughs> confusing if you really kind of break it down. But that's why they have the Kid Cudi character. He's like, he's going to be in there and give you a bunch of mumbo jumbo, like technical speak. And that just explains everything. 
totally i was like good screenwriting because it works <laughs> yeah no that totally works uh i like the kid cuddy character a lot kid cuddy's performance is actually one of the weaker points of the movie i think for me yeah. and i also feel like it, we're jumping way ahead here but like yeah i i feel like kid uh, maybe it's because i'm like 40 i know who kid cuddy is but more as an actor and like i feel like if you're going to get like this mega producer it should have been like Pharrell or somebody sure. else. Yeah. You know, and maybe they couldn't afford him or they didn't get it. Kid Cudi's also an actor, so that makes it easier. Mm-hmm. He also isn't picked by the girls. He just kind of shows up. Right. So it all works. But again, like in that crucial role, you know, when they got Dave Grohl for a little cameo, you know, who is a rock god. Right. Yeah. Everybody recognizes him immediately. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I... And, but like in terms of like form and function, I like the Kid Cudi part a lot. I love the oh, yeah. just like, oh, I have the science. Here you go, guys. And then of course we need someone to say station in the movie, and it's going to be Kid Cudi, and that made me happy. Right. Yes, oh, yeah. <laughs> because that part did happen. Them right. Performing with uh, with station. So. Right. Yes, that totally did. The actual yes. performance did totally happen. It did go out all over the world. Yes. Um, but yeah, I guess I mean we we did jump ahead a bit. Uh, yes. But uh, but you did mention the Dave Grohl cameo, and I did want to mention one thing. I did read that, and apparently originally the version, the joke in this new screenplay that was supposed to be Eddie Van Halen, and they couldn't get Eddie Van Halen. Oh, and that just so kind perfect. of... I know, that's the perfect version of that joke, is that it's Eddie Van Halen's house. Yeah, but uh, bring it all together. Which is so What the heck are you doing, Eddie Van Halen? I know. Dave Grohl's way busier. Dave Grohl like, directs movies now. Dave Grohl will do anything for five bucks and a slice of pizza, I feel like. That's <laughs> 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 true. Um, um, he was the drummer in Nirvana. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's fine. But yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I lo- Like I said, I love that the movie takes the time travel and, and triples it, you know? So yeah. you have the three stories. And... And I wrote this in my review today. I didn't kind of even think about it until seeing the movie where it was like, another thing that I love the Bill and Ted movies, probably not as much as you, Alex, but I loved them a lot. And But the one thing I was, I was like, are these guys really worthy? Like, mm. why these guys? Like, sure. They're not smart. Like, they don't have any talent. They have to work for it. But in spoilers, Billy and Thea, you get the Bill and Ted who are worthy, who are sure. smart. Yeah. I love that. And I didn't kind of even think about it until I was writing. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, obviously, they're the Bill and Ted who saved the world, not their dads. But, like, they're they're the evolved version of the characters. And it's kind of the whole movie is, like, the evolved version of the franchise. Yeah. Um, I loved their characters a lot. I thought Samara Weaving and Bridget Lundy Payne were fantastic as Thea and Billy. Um, Bridget's, like version of Keanu from the 80s especially is like an amazing thing to watch um, yeah uh, I thought they were so sharply written and just the fact like they have all the same qualities about Bill and Ted except they're really smart about music that's what's different about them yes yeah, that exactly um, exactly and and that and that just helps really it helps move the thing along where you know you get Bill and Ted are on their dumb journey right to try to cheat everything right which is and Bill what, and Thea like oh we have like it's such a this is again. I'm I'm sorry to be like yapping. I'm just I no, love man. the movie a lot, but it's like uh, I remember when I saw the second trailer, and I saw that it was basically going to be the daughters who saved the world. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I wish I didn't know that. But then you watch the movie, and they don't spoil that the way they do it, which is so simple and smart. Which is yeah, let's just go get the best musicians that ever lived. Right. 
-hmm. Like, oh my, and when he got like Jimi Hendrix and I realized what was happening, I'm like, oh, yes, yes. I'm so glad I didn't know this. What a great idea. Why didn't Bill and Ted do this or something? (laughs) Like, you idiots. (laughs) I love the fact that they go back in time and they keep going further back so that the people that they've recruited have a frame of reference and they, they admire the people that they're going to get. Yeah. Yeah, I love that too. I loved uh, I loved going back to the cave cave people times too and getting Grog or Grog. I think was that character's name. Maybe I don't remember. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just going that far back, um, which I did feel was kind of a reference to deleted material with the cavemen from Excellent Adventure. The cavemen that are in like one shot in Excellent Adventure had like two scenes mm. that got cut. Um, I kind of felt. Like... I think it's also, I think it's also easier, like casting wise. Yeah, like because I read an interview today that instead of Jimi Hendrix, it was originally going to be Elvis, mm-hmm. but like it was just too hard and too expensive. Right. You know, I think you know you do three names of people that everybody knows: Mozart, um, Louis Armstrong. Bill, yeah, Louis Armstrong. Sorry, and, and Jimi Hendrix. And then yeah. you go back to just like music pioneers that people don't know. Most people I didn't know. Right. You know, and and it's just like it does. So it doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't. You don't have to worry totally. about it. And nobody knows what Mozart. I mean, you, people know what Mozart looked like from like paintings, but yeah, sure. You know, <laughs> uh, but Jimi Hendrix and Louis Armstrong, we know. So it, it was, yeah. Again, just so smart in almost every turn. Yeah, um, and I think for me, the, I mean, it was. Is it fast forwarding too far if we talk about the ending? I guess we shouldn't talk about the ending quite yet. I don't know. <laughs> we already. I feel like it's. Fr- you can go wherever you want with it, Alex. Well, I just we did, we broke the structure. Who cares? Who cares? Sorry, I'm sorry, guys. No, no, it's, just, my, it's, it's, it's my. It's just fault. as much. Like, yeah. It's just as much my fault, man. I just I, I love every part of this movie, but uh, yeah, yeah. I I love so much about the ending. It, it solves a problem that uh, there often has been in like the history of movies and TV that are talking about the fictional best of a thing that's ever happened, which is inevitably we have to see or hear this best thing ever. And it can't possibly be, because it's only a thing that was created to be within inside of this other thing. And so I love, love, just on a writing level, that this movie disregards that conceptually. I like the ending song. I like, it sounds nice. It sounds, you know, C major, 113 beats a minute. Like, that's, that's, a, that's an up song that people are going to get into. But it's not like this incredible composition. And what we learn is, like, the thing that really needed to happen is everybody playing it at once. Everybody working together to do one thing. That's what brings the world into harmony. It's not necessarily the song. It's that everybody was cooperating. And that is such a beautiful idea to cap off the Bill and Ted movies, I think. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, the Tenacious D song. I forget what it's called now. Tribute. But yeah, like, they... Uh, tribute. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is basically just Bill and Ted, where it's like, oh, we got to play his best song, but we forgot it. But right. they're actually playing a really great song. Right. So, yeah, you're, but so yeah, you, yeah, you nailed it. It was, and, and that that ending of that notion of like we all need to come together. It's like, oh my god, like I mean, that's all. That's a great notion at any time, but right. like in 2020, in 2020, where you know, it's <laughs> boom, boom, everybody's going crazy. It was like, it was so beautiful. I was like, oh, what a what a great ending. What a great way to send this off. Yeah. Um, you know, and if we really want to break the structure, we talk about the end credit scene too. I mean, that's just the oh, cherry yeah. on top. I, I love, I love, love the post credit scene. Just <laughs> old wise Bill yeah. and Ted having one last jam. Ready, Bill. Ready, Ted. One, two, one, two, three, four. <laughs> 
Yeah, because you don't get that in this. The, the, the whole movie is kind of them. They've already gotten through that. Right. So to finally get them to do their kind of ready bill, ready to And yeah. like, you're like, oh, I thought they were going to drop dead, though. I thought they were literally <laughs> just going to drop dead. I did think Alex's winner, Alex Winner's last line of this, nurse, was, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was particularly great. Nurse! And uh, while we're talking about that scene, I, I would just call out right now the absolutely incredible makeup effects work of Kevin Yeager in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and Travis, I don't know if you noticed this, but Kevin Yeager was responsible for Station and uh, and the rest of the special effects makeup in Bogus Journey. So that's wow. another personnel carryover into this movie. And just his work on old Bill and Ted and uh, robot Dennis Caleb McCoy and mm-hmm. um, like all of it. The uh, muscular the Bill, Bill and Ted's. Ted's. Yeah, yeah. Uh, beer gut Bill and Ted. Like it all just looks so, so good. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. And it, it really, like, you kind of see why, like, Keanu would come back. Yeah. Because I know that was kind of, like, the sticking point early, early, early on is, like, Keanu's too big a star now. You know, but, like, you give him, he like, you get to dress up as yourself and, like, all these different characters. Like, who wouldn't do that right. as an act as anybody, let alone a famous actor? <laughs> um, so cool. And, yeah, and you mentioned Dennis. Um, Dennis to me, Caleb that's where, the movie. Yeah. The movie is, is, is good. It's very, very good. You introduce him, and you're like, okay. But when he kind of becomes sentient, that's yeah. when the movie for me is just perfection. He is so funny at every line. I, I, like, he just completely steals the movie for me. Yeah. Um, I, I was howling at everything he said, his timing, the repetition, just that kind of, like, innocence. Uh, just such a great character. It's such a balance to Bill and Ted. He's kind of like what you'd imagine maybe Bill and Ted would have been at, like, five or something yeah know, from like both yes. turning, yeah. yeah totally and he gets to the point where like the both of them have like lost patience with him to agree that we get it okay we get it you're a grateful totally insecure somehow dead robot named dennis caleb mccoy <laughs> yeah uh bill and ted's patience is just a bit thinner after 25 years just a bit though just a little bit um but yeah anthony kerrigan as as dennis was so so funny. And I do I do want to say, like, you know, in my first viewing, uh, my initial reaction was like, okay, we have another killer robot from the future trying to kill Bill and Ted. And just for, like, for a little bit of the movie, I was just worried about that retread and worried about, like, okay, so there's another killer robot they have to escape. But then the killer robot becomes his own killer robot and just becomes his own character and is, like, absolutely one of the runaway funniest parts of this movie. Again, evolution of the other of the other films. They take the idea, set you up with the expectation, and smash it to to smithereens. Yeah. You know, um, you know, uh, yeah. I just I can't talk enough about him. I want action figures. That I want <laughs> Dennis, Caleb McCoy. I would love a Dennis <laughs> Caleb McCoy action figure. <laughs> it's gotta come. Oh, be awesome. Uh, <sighs> other, uh, we have we have William Sadler back as Death who's like mm-hmm. that's the first time i've been tearing up through a lot of the movie but the first time like tears fell is when they all hugged and the band really got back together that the first scene with with death i thought was so funny he's so great in that scene so great and just, you want to talk i'm sorry go ahead Travis. oh it's all right uh, he just like comes back into the character so well and it's crazy that the actor is 70 now and he just, I mean, I know he's covered with a lot of makeup, but you just would not be able to tell. And I just came off a bogus journey and it, it was hard to tell. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I love his room in Hell. Yeah, with all the memorabilia and stuff that also tells the story. Yeah, it's really good production design there, set design. I really love that. Um, and the stuff between the kids and him. Yeah, really kind of actually, and that kind of really does fit in with the Bogus Journey credits because he obviously, in the Bogus Journey credits, right. he was famous and had his own album and went back to Wild Stallions, and so to get him to see how that he actually was this transcendent musician. Um, and that they really respected him and knew his album, you know, it, it, it elevates him, it elevates them. Yeah. Um, just again, excellent and really, really funny. Um, <laughs> where they don't like the one song, they're like, eh, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. The yeah, other like, one, the good. other one, and these three bars are amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, amazing. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. Did you think of the hook in Boogie Down with Doctor D? Uh, what can we even say? Insane. We've never seen left hand technique like that. <laughs> No, I was self-taught. You have some crazy, crazy skills, dude. Yeah, great. There, yeah, there. That that chemistry between the girls is just—it's just Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves, you know. Like, totally. Just nailed it. They found the magic again somehow. I, I forgot to look up who the casting director was, but I do know that uh, in the original film, the director Stephen Herrick was responsible ultimately for the casting of Alex and Keanu initially. You know, he and producer Scott Krupp, who's still producing, who produced this movie too, um, were doing the casting sessions and they found Alex and Keanu. And then again with this movie, it was Dean Pariseau and, and Scott Krupp who really found Samara and Bridget, um, which just incredible. I would, I, you know, the Ed, Ed Solomon and Chris Matson keep saying that, uh, you know, this is the, it for Bill and Ted for us. Like, we mm -hmm. think this is the end, we're done. And that's fine. I would watch. Uh, Billy and Thea, whatever. I would watch any of that. Oh, great point. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I just really enjoyed them, and I just don't know where their story would go. But I guess you I could have either. said that after Bogus Journey with Bill and Ted. Like, yeah. Oh, they did it, you know? Yeah. And, you know, so or maybe, maybe Billy and Thea go through you know, their, own, their own fame and stardom after this. Yeah, maybe, maybe they're, they're super producers the story, now. Yeah. Maybe they're yeah. super producers, and like we go through their adventures, like pulling historical musicians from different times in history and recording supergroup albums. Or maybe they have to like uh, explain to the world that this time travel exists, <laughs> and they're the ones who kind of have to deal with the ramifications. Well, I guess the world does know. They saw Bill and Ted come out of a phone booth. Yeah, as as Ted yeah. explains, like just so you guys yeah. know, I'm kind of like an infinite being. In case you're wondering, I'm essentially an infinite me. Outstanding. Yes, because <laughs> everybody has the instruments. That was great. Yeah, yeah. I only watched it the one time uh, on Friday, but I'm dying to watch it again just because. Yeah, there, I feel like there's there's so much, and like, I know it was kind of budgetary, but like it's just so. It's, well, it was it's so tight and clean, like was, which is that's what she said, but like <laughs> the um. My my boss. I was talking to my boss, and she's like, "I really think it misses like a, a music montage." She's like, "I love like the music montage and like Excellent Adventure." Mm. And I'm thinking like, "That mm. was a bigger movie. This is not a movie that's that big, you know?" Yeah, you know. And I, so I think like it's just kind of a Swiss watch in a way, you know, without the time travel stuff. So I really I want to watch it again and kind of see like what gets set up earlier. I mean, Alex, you, you watch it twice. Is there anything else you notice on a second viewing? Um, not so much in terms of like uh, stuff that I noticed early on that paid off later. It was more one of these things. I mean, what I I kind of likened it to um, 
listening to a new album by one of my favorite bands that I've listened to for, for 30 years. Like, you want to love the new album, but when it's the first time you hear it, you don't quite know how to put it in context. You're mm-hmm. just like, I know I want to love this, I know I trust in how it was created. And that's absolutely true of this movie, because we know that like it was written by the guys who wrote the first two movies, it was written on spec, them and the producer Scott Krupp and Dean Tapariso, director, had been trying for ten years without getting paid to just get this movie made. So we know that it's coming from creatively like the right place. So for me, the first viewing versus second viewing was more of like allowing the first viewing to settle, allowing me to kind of know like, okay, this is how the song goes, this is how the album goes. Now I'm gonna dive back in and like really take a look at it as like within this trilogy, within this series, and. Yeah. Um, I think the second time through, it sits very... It, for me, it sits very cleanly with the first two films. Um, yeah, I find I find with movies like this, and especially bigger movies, like I said, I like Bill and Ted, but like Travis, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Like The first time I watch a yeah. movie that I've been waiting for for like years, it's, it's an out-of-body experience. You can't believe you're actually seeing it. Like, this is it. I'm actually... This is happening. And right. I always, it's always about that second viewing for me, mm-hmm. you know? I walk out and I'm like, okay, uh, that's what happened, you know? His name is Ben Solo, you know? Like, right. now I know that that's what it is. And it's not until the second time and you're like, okay, now how does this work? And I feel like, you know, it has a lot to do with expectations. Because the first time you're just kind of digesting the story, once you know what happened, you kind of focus a little bit more on how it happens. Yeah. Yes. And I think that's really where a good movie becomes a great movie. Yeah, exactly. That's how I thought about Force Awakens. I came out of that movie just like shell shocked almost. I don't know how I do. I feel about that. And then it wasn't until I saw it the second time that I was like, oh yeah, I really do like this. I mean, it happens with a lot of movies, or the other way around. Yeah, I, I, like like The Dark Knight Rises. That movie was awesome. And I'm like, oh wait, that was not awesome. <laughs> I hated that movie the first time. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean like. I had a very similar... For- I'm also a giant Star Wars nerd. Uh, and we we had... Uh, I had a similar reaction to the seeing Force Awakens the first two times. And the opposite when I saw Rise of Skywalker two times. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew I hated that immediately. <laughs> when I saw your review come out, I was like, oh no. My, my views tend to line up with his. This isn't going to happen. <laughs> I, it actually got better when I knew it was bad. But again, that's just the expectation, you know? Right. So like, if Bill and Ted... It, you know, like if we had gone into it and it was bad and you watch it again, maybe you'd like it because you know it's bad already. You know, like when you go in clean, even if the reviews came out, like the reviews came out the day of or day before and they're mostly positive, you're like, okay, I guess it's probably pretty good, you know, but it's still about that first time seeing it and how it works on you. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I had a wonderful first time. I had a wonderful second time. Let's, uh, let's talk about uh, our leads. Let's talk about Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves a little bit. Um, I Al, Alex tapped in somehow to literally exactly the same thing he had been doing as Bill. Agreed. He he did such a good job, just like falling right back into it. And he hasn't even been acting for most of the last twenty five years. No, I've been directing, right? Yeah. yeah, he's been making documentaries and directing other stuff. I think one of his last like major roles was in his movie Freaked in nineteen ninety three, where he was the lead in that. Um, but since then, he's been making films. Uh, and for him to just like ter- put the suit back on and just go immediately was such a pleasure to see. Yeah, it was really like if you had asked me in 1992, what do Bill and Ted look like at 50? I would have thought that they were more like, 
you know, like bums almost, you know, <laughs> even if they're a successful musician, still bums, you know, sure. I picture, you know, and I don't even mean because of the ZZ Top beards. I, I just mean <laughs> that, but like when you see them now, you're like, yeah, this is it. Like they're just a little bit more mature, a little bit more aware, mm -hmm. a little bit more grounded, you know, they don't do the, they don't have their, their language is a lot more normal. Yeah. But it's not normal, normal. Right. You know, they're still going to say bodacious and excellent, and they're still going to air guitar, but just in more less frequently. And that just feels like growing up. It feels like maturity. Yeah. And I think they both nail that. But I do agree that Alex falls in way better. But I think that's also because a big part of Ted, young Ted at least, was the physical. Yeah. And Keanu Reeves is older now, so he can't be. He has a different physicality. You know, Right, he, Billy is that. Yes, that's why. Absolutely. You know, yeah, she she nails that. Feels a little bit more Ted uh, than Keanu. Yeah, uh, my well. Do you have thoughts on Alex Winter, Travis? That that you wanted to to mention before? Oh no, I mean, other than yeah, he just he does such a good job, like as that character once again, like more so than Keanu. It, it, it was just, just like It's you more said, the same as it was than Keanu's performance was. Yeah. For sure. Mm -hmm. I I liked a lot of what Keanu did. And that was a lot of what I was looking at the second time too, was what Keanu did in the movie. Um, that was something I was really concentrating on the second time around. And I do think it's uh, all of what Ted does. I mean, like, the way Ted is in this movie, I think is very much a choice. For me, I always saw Ted as kind of like the thinker between the two like bill bill pushes them to do the stuff but ted is the one that's like dude i got a bad feeling about this yeah. or like he he thinks a little bit more and i think that for for me i took it as kind of like for 25 years ted has been helped be buoyed by bill's enthusiasm about what they're supposed to do and what they've been doing and everything and but as he says in the beginning of the movie he's tired you know yeah. like like slogging through all this and dealing with this life that's gonna take a toll on a person who's thinking about like well why haven't we done it yet like it doesn't really seem to have occurred to Bill so much or at least internalized in Bill so much like why haven't we done this yet but I feel like that's very much internalized in Ted and that comes out in the performance um, beautifully said I mean yeah I, I think you're absolutely right I think yeah I, I like you said I only see it the once forgot that he says he's tired and that that sort of that is the choice that kind of informs the rest of the movie yeah. where he is not as present he is not as enthusiastic he's not not right but he's just a little bit more subdued and i think that was keanu's being like ted old dude like <laughs> it is but when he when they do the air guitar they definitely still do the air guitar i mean like oh, yeah. look at look at ted's face when they do the air guitar and he's still making an old ted face it's great <laughs> And the movie doesn't happen a without Keanu Reeves, who he is, and b, even if he was not as famous, like you, know, you can't recast these roles, you know. No. So to, to to get him back was was magic. Totally. Um, and just yeah, the fact that like you know th this movie cost peanuts. Like there's amazing talent behind behind making this movie. Like Dean Pariseau, I know. For some reason, he hasn't gotten better jobs. I don't know what what the deal with his career is. I don't know why he hasn't gotten another shot at something like Galaxy Quest or something since say, then. Director of one of the best Star Trek movies of all time. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, but that was like 1996 or yeah. 7. Yeah. Like, what's he done since then? No, I know, exactly. Like, I don't know where, why yeah. he, there hasn't been more more movies from him 
that have been able to get to that point or that you know of that level um and like the the director of photography is shelly johnson who has shot like a million things but that uh maybe most notably in recent memory shot uh captain america the first avenger um so like a big looking movie which this movie is but it's obviously a small budget Mm -hmm. um and it's a, a kind of labor of love, though. Like totally, you said absolutely. earlier, like they they've been trying to do this for so long that you know I'm sure uh, most nobody made what they would make in any other movie. Absolutely not. I mean, I'm sure Keanu made scale for the first time in his career in like ten years or fifteen years or something. Yeah. Give him um, give him that back end. Give him that back end. <laughs> I did notice that in the in the closing credits, I did notice that Alex Winter and William Sadler are both credited as producers, but Keanu was not. So that that's interesting to me. Wonder if maybe yeah. he did get more up front and the others are getting more on the back end. Who knows? Or he just didn't want to spend as much time on it. That could be too. Yeah. <laughs> that could be too. And Dean Pariso, just looking, is has been doing a lot of TV. Oh, has he been really there. active in TV? No, I mean, active enough. He's done like one or two episodes of a lot of things. The most things he did justified four episodes. Good Girls, that's new. Oh, okay. Um, and he made Red too. Is, is like only like oh, a yeah, he did oh, make... fun and Dick and Jane. So he's been working. He just hasn't been prolific. You know, he he, he had that great movie, and since then he's been kind of, you know, making a living. I think this is yeah. seems definitely his best movie since then. I agree. I mean, I've I've sat through with fun with Dick and Jane. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if that movie was responsible for like a lack of theatrical outings on on his part since then. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Um, it sounds very possible. Oh, my cat has joined us. Um. Let's see what else uh, we have. Um, we do have new uh, Bill and Ted wives. We have yes, again. We have yeah, the third iteration of Joanna and Elizabeth. We have Aaron Hayes <laughs> as Elizabeth and Jama Mays as Joanna, who I like both of them very much in the movie, and I like the little princess subplot. Um, mm-hmm. I I I think it's probably my favorite when uh, my favorite scene with them is probably when. They're talking about, oh, we have to time travel again with the therapist, and Jillian Bell is just going, like, I think yeah. you guys should come in two, three, five, five days a week. <laughs> I would have um, liked to see, like, even if it was like 10 seconds of their story. Yeah. You know, like, we only see them on the outskirts, and we see how their story starts from the old folks home, you know? Mm-hmm. Retirement home is probably, that's probably on PC to say old folks home. <laughs> come and get me, old folks. But it's like, um, yeah, I mean, because that because obviously the story of Bill and Ted and Billy and Thea are the A stories. Mm-hmm. I would have just like a little bit more with them because, you know, they they are part of the band, and you know that that is pretty crucial to Bill and Ted being happy. What happens on their story? So totally, it totally works. Um, but again, I, and that probably might have been a budgetary thing too. Like we said, like. You know, like we 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 gotta we gotta keep it to this because it's gotta end up at that ending. You know, as long as they're with the girls at the end, it, it's okay. But it, that is another like little thing on the movie. It's like I would like to see it a little bit more. Yeah, I know. I actually totally agree. Uh, especially if they went since they went through the effort of, like I said, again recasting the princesses for the for right. the you know for the third iteration, give them a little bit something more to do. Or, but I I feel like there's material that must have been either deleted from the script or deleted from the final cut that that had to do with them because that that story did feel like there was more going on that we would have seen I a little feel, bit more yeah. i'm um, wondering did and, and you're reading alex or whatever did they ever discuss it 
is it a joke that they recast him in every movie? Or at what no, point did that they, be thing? They don't comment on... The, what they say in the commentary tracks on Bogus Journey is that no one remembers why they were recast for Bogus Journey, which I can't believe that, that, that that's actually true, that yeah. no one remembers why they were recast. I mean, like, uh, no slight... I, I, gotta, I gotta look up uh, the name of the lady who played um, Joanna in, in Excellent Adventure, but... Um, but I know it's not like in Diane Franklin played Elizabeth or actually weirdly in bogus journey, the names or in excellent adventure. The names were switched. The blonde one was Elizabeth and the brunette oh, was weird. Joanna. And then if that got flipped around in bogus journey and that flip around has maintained, but, um, there you go. I know weirdness, but, uh, uh, Kimberly Cates, uh, was the other princess and Diane Franklin was the other princess in, um, in excellent adventure. And Diane Franklin was, uh, like a, she had a little bit of a like an eighties cult thing going on. She yeah, was in like The Last American Virgin and she was in um Better Off Dead and uh Terror Vision and a couple other stuff things like here and there. But um but Kimberly Cates, I don't think she ever really did that much. Eh? Well, forty two credits, I'm wrong. I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe they just maybe they just Terrence Howard is it, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It could have just been they a Terrence Howardy situation. They would have been like, Can we get more money? And they'd be like, Peace out you know, <laughs> like seems very, very possible. Very um, well could have been. Plus, yeah. I mean plus in Bogus Journey they have like I'm trying they have like no role in Bogus Journey. They know? they don't have much. They have more than the first movie. Honestly, because there is the scene Oh, they're, they're in the band. They're in yeah. the band, they're audi- they audition, they're at the party. And then Bill and Ted propose, and then yeah, right. they got a little bit to do. There's a scene where evil robot Bill and Ted antagonize them into leaving, and they went. They have up, to hang from the rafters. They have to hang from the rafters and stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, Sarah a bit yeah, more so it's involved. Not that, I don't know because at this point, like, it, it feels like it was just funnier to recast it again. Yeah. Um, I felt the same way. That it was just like a joke. kind of. It's also got a misogynist. It's like, oh, um, they don't matter. Yeah. They just keep putting new people in there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like you said, like, not everything makes sense in a Bill and Ted movie. No. I thought it would have been funny if the future versions of them that had to come back to show them all the realities with Bill and Ted were played by two different actresses as well. <laughs> <laughs> or the original actresses. That would have been good. Back. That would have been like, good. But that, like Eddie Van Halen, it was not meant to be. You know? Yeah. The not... perfection, the literal perfection of that. Yeah, just uh, <laughs> we need to get Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. Um, we also have another newcomer in the movie is uh, Kristen Schaal as as Kelly, daughter of Rufus. Who yeah. I mean, I love Kristen Schaal, and I yeah, she's funny in this. I mean, she just does what she does, but it's a funny little role, and she gets to do it, and she's a I fun love... presence in the movie. She's a fun presence in the movie. I like the new uh, phone booth. Yeah, the little that in weird like a egg co- in like, pod thing. Yeah, in like 50 years, they've changed that much. Yeah. Um, and obviously the Carlin thing we could talk about, but I, I did find it's another aspect of the movie I found really interesting was that the future was frustrated with them. Yeah. That was a really fun thing to mine where it's like, you know, in the first two movies, like it's just told. It's worship. They're going to do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's worship. And the second one, it's Bill and Ted University. Yeah, it's know? all like, oh yeah, this this all works out in the end. And then, you know, and they're like, well, why isn't it worked out? Which, again, when I, you probably put your mind around it, it doesn't work at all, you know? Totally. Uh, especially, especially, I always come back to the moment in the first movie 
where they're doing the strumming and you see Bill and Ted, but mm-hmm. it's young Bill and Ted. So it's like, so it, those are the, they were successful at that age. Right. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, just forget it. Forget, forget it. it. So it's like, why is there Bill and Ted University before they actually happen? Uh, you know, it doesn't right. really make sense, but yeah. <laughs> it, it is, it was interesting that the future was frustrated. They couldn't do it. Um, yeah. Oh, here's a question. I'm jumping over, but I just yeah. thought of it. When old Bill and Ted give them the USB. Yeah. Do you think that has anything on it at all? Well, the clip that they played, and I verified this the second time, the little clip of audio that old Ted plays for them is actually the guitar solo that Bill and Ted play at the end of the movie. Okay. So it seems to be like they did have a recording. Whether or not there was anything on the USB drive is, you know, speculation. But it seems like at that point they were in possession of a recording of the song, which is a friend of mine. That's the thing he has hung up most on the movies. Like, yeah, because did... that doesn't it doesn't work because that's supposed to be the same Bill and Ted who they haven't done it yet because they haven't done it yet. Right. Um, yeah. My postulation is a solution for that is parallel timelines that they were drifting into. Oh, yeah. yeah, they could have done that, or maybe, or like I said, mine is that whatever they give them isn't the answer. It's just you know a tool to make them think they did. And that's really what yeah. they needed. Very well could have been. Cause I mean, obviously like they are, yeah, they do them. listen to something or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. Cause like, obviously old Bill and Ted are them. They know what they did. And that's one of my favorite jokes in the movie is when they're trying to escape in Dave Grohl's house, when they're trying to escape from the British versions of themselves, mm-hmm. they're like, we have to do something we can't possibly remember. <laughs> and then just the answer is putting buckets on their heads and stumbling around. Oh, yeah. I was really hoping they wouldn't remember that thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then Bill Bill pulls a gun on him and is going to kill him. <laughs> and that then the the prison Bill and Ted like save younger selves because they're like it's going to erase us. Yeah, <laughs> they're the just previous version was it. yeah trying to kill him. Yeah, they kind of actually the other Bill and Ted become less douchey as they as they get older. I guess they do. Yeah, right. Yeah, because eventually yeah. they're. In the in the nursing home, and uh, yeah, and then they're finally kind to them, and those right. are touching moments too. Yeah, they are. Like I remember watching it and being like, "What would I say to like my younger self and my older self?" You know, like, I mean, obviously, you know, in most time travel movies, they can't meet because that would blow up everything. But Bill and Ted doesn't matter. Bill and Ted don't care. <laughs> but I just, yeah, I was like, this is really kind of touching and beautiful. And then to see how different uh, the Bills and the Teds are with yeah. each other, yeah, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it is nice, too. And I'm, I didn't think about this before, and I'm just kind of now realizing it. The only time that Bill and Ted have, that we see in a movie, that Bill and Ted have a pleasant interaction with other versions of themselves is that very first meeting in the very first movie. In the second movie, their encounter doesn't isn't an encounter with themselves. It's an encounter right. with evil robot versions of themselves. And then in this movie, alternate Bill and Ted are dicks up until they're old men. So... That's the only time we actually have a really nice interaction between Bill and Ted and Bill and Ted. Yeah, it's the bookends. Yeah, exactly. Mm, and yeah. uh, what nice little things the writers have done for us. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, yeah, I remember thinking, I mean, obviously the USB uh, has the names on it, which makes them realize. And I also, I didn't like the, uh, the very, very, very early, oh, here we go, boom, to move back to the Christian Shaw future stuff. Great. I hated that she goes, well, remember what your dad said, Preston and Logan. And I'm like, oh, we got it. Like, it's so obvious <laughs> that it's going to be the daughters. And I'm like, you didn't have to, like, 
telegraph that so obvious sure yeah no like we could have just they could have just said bill and ted bill and ted and then when they do press and logan on the usb would have been a little bit cleaner but i guess you know like not everybody's gonna pick up on it right away yeah you know um, what dude in, in all honesty i didn't pick up on it right away no so. well there you go because <laughs> rufus has never used their like names like that so when they when True. she goes with, you know, when in the future when she goes the when the supreme being or whatever leader the great leader says, yeah she goes uh yeah she goes she uses their last names specifically and knowing i guess maybe it's, maybe it's me thinking from the trailer that that was how the movie's going to end uh I was like, oh, yeah, there it is. There's your there's your marker of it, it all pays off. Yeah. But I like the new future. Um, I like the design the, of the new future, yeah. Yeah, and the new and the Rufus thing was a nice little touch. Yeah. Odd that the time machine still works, but that's okay. I'm yeah, like, whatever. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one, little, one little design. Actually, there was a – to rewind really quick back to – I forgot to mention this when you are talking about Death's little office apartment thing. Yeah. In one shot, not in the main shot of like you can see like the dead on when it, from the behind his chair, but in one of the side shots from when he's talking to Bill and Ted, you can see the electric football table from Bogus Journey like in the corner of the room. Um, but l- similar to that, in the future when the guitars all pop up, there's Bill and Ted's headless guitars that Rufus gives them at the end of Excellent Adventure are hanging oh, cool. in the guitar display. Um, oh, that's cool. And uh, the Gibson SG that Bill plays is Alex Winter's tribute to Frank Zappa because he directed a Frank Zappa documentary that's coming out sometime oh. in the future. Um, but that's his little tribute. That's nice. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I, I, uh, there you go. So you notice stuff on the second viewing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's full of so many Easter eggs. Yeah. Um, oh, and of course, we, we have to mention that we have Hal Landon Jr. back as Ted's dad, Chief Logan, who's, mm-hmm. again, just so funny. And we get the great seat. I'm so sorry. I owe you such an apology. <laughs> all of yeah, this find... is true, which implies that it's true. Blah blah blah. Yeah. They all yeah. All three, uh, Death, uh, Missy, and Ted's dad, all kind of get like crucial like roles that like redeem them in a way. Mm-hmm. Like Missy, of course, is like whatever Missy's weird that she's with the younger guy, but you know it's okay. Like he, they're they're in love with her, and 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 it's fine. And then the fact that his dad forgives him. Um, means a lot. Did the guy, did the actor who played Bill's dad pass or something? I don't know. I don't I... know. Uh, that is a good question, yeah, and so that's even a question I had going back to like uh, Bogus Journey because it is the same actor that plays him in, for in Bogus Journey, but he's only in Bogus Journey for like half a second. He's in like two right. shots or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, yeah. So I was actually curious about that too. I thought it would have been a funny joke to. It, it seems like he's still alive. Uh, he hasn't. He doesn't have an acting credit since 2016 on IMDb, but it seems like he's still around. Maybe like, he's still want to come back. That's okay. That's possible. But I did think that that would have been a funny thing if he was been another guest at the wedding. Yes, Alex, you had mentioned the same thing uh, regarding David Newman not doing the music. Right. Yeah, that was a thing. So Mark Isham does the score in this, and I think he does a very good job of evoking the. Uh, the, the feeling of the score from the first two films I think that uh, there's I, I can't remember scenes specifically but I think in, in Hell the reunion scene between Bill and Ted and Death I think is very evocative of music from the first two movies but I was just looking up and wondering why it wasn't David Newman who scored both of the first two films when like there wasn't you know the princesses didn't carry over the director didn't carry over a lot didn't carry over from the first film 
but David Newman on the score did. David Newman is still working, and Travis and I just learned right before the show, scored Galaxy Quest. So it's not yeah. as if Dean Pariseau hadn't worked with him before. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting connection that didn't carry through. Yeah. Wow. I mean, if you look at his INDB, the dude is busy as hell. Oh, yeah. So, like, yeah. so I, I, he probably just didn't, couldn't, you know? That's very possible. Yeah. That was just like a that was just like a little thing. I would have liked I would have liked the further David Newman score in this movie. But I, again, I have no complaints about what Mark Isham did. I thought the score was very effective and you know did what it needed to do. Which Bill and Ted scores aren't like amazing classic scores. They're kind of you know just up uh, broad strokes kind of scores that just serve yeah. the broad comedy, but do ver- do so very well. Yeah, you remember the songs more for obvious reasons. Yeah, and the songs in here are good. You yeah. know. Um, uh, even like the song at the wedding, you're like, I want to hear the rest of that. Like, I actually I really I want... like the wedding song. Yeah, it's, it's like it's not a banger, but I kind of listen. I get into it. I like the Weezer song in the credits. Sure. Um, I wish I could hear more of Dave Grohl's song, but that sounds pretty good from <laughs> the little I heard. Yeah. There, there, there's that, that's a, it, it goes back to what you said before about like having to create something that's that great. It's so impossible because if you did, you it would be its own thing. But like. So I, I think Bill and Ted always cover that really well. Like the song "The End of Bogus Journey," I we were listening, we watched "Bogus Journey" like on Wednesday, and then I watched this on Friday, and I still right now have that song on my head. Oh yeah, know. this is yeah, yeah. An, an example of uh, an example of my Bill and Ted nerdery. So the guitar solos, all the air guitar stuff in "Bogus Journey" is all by the guitar player Steve Vai, um, who's like this amazing, amazing virtuoso guitar player. And uh, they had the Kiss song "God Gave Rock and Roll to You" for that, for the ending thing. But they didn't think that the beginning of the song was quite triumphant enough. So the whole like first minute and a half of epic guitar solos is Steve Vai, um, then leads into the Kiss track. But on the soundtrack, it's just the Kiss track. There's no Steve Vai guitar solo at the beginning. And growing up, I was always super bummed out by that. But a handful of years ago, Steve Vai put out a collection of music that he did for movies. And it included that minute and a half of guitar music uh, without anything else, without any of the Kiss stuff underneath it. So, of course, like for my personal listening pleasure, I have on my, my iPod just, you know, those two things mixed together for the complete correct version of the epic song at the end. Love it. I love it. It's um, beautiful. It's a beautiful thing, sir. And it's still like the only Kiss song I like. <laughs> I don't love Kiss, but I like some of their songs. But that, that song is catchy as hell. And I really like mm-hmm. The soundtracks uh, for both movies I really love. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Also, a thing about the uh, the beginning with the the wedding song is with what they're trying to do. They keep picking up all these different instruments, and when you see where it goes at the end, they're kind of like on to the right thing almost. It's just like they did not have the capacity to do it all themselves, and it had to be distributed to everybody <laughs> throughout all of time and space. Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, I didn't really think of it as a demo run, but it kind of is a, like a bit of a demo run for just having this massive band playing all the all these disparate instruments all in the key of C major. Yeah, it all it all matches. It always matches. Um. Yeah. Oh man, I I'm excited to watch this movie again after <laughs> some yeah, after talking to you guys about it now. I really, I do want to watch it again. Um. Oh, another another person that came back. This is this is like. Apropos of nothing, but another crew person that came back was another makeup artist. The guy who did Death's makeup, Bill Corso, uh, also did Death's makeup on Bogus Journey and on Face the Music. Um, 
And I just love that they kept it such a family thing. Um, yeah. I think I think when you're when you're part of something that's special and that people really like, you know, you, you it's yours. You, you own it. You know, like so. Yeah, that that is really cool. I didn't know that. I didn't really follow up on any of that stuff. But that's really interesting and cool that they would come back. Because yeah, I mean, really, just get kind of get anybody. Look, there's photo reference. Totally. It's white makeup. Totally. Bill Sadler there. Yeah. Sure, but yeah, it's yeah that that, that gives it a little extra oomph when you get the real person. Yeah. And I was just, I had forgotten that uh, there was kind of like a longer road to making another Bill and Ted movie in that, in 2007. I can't, I can't believe that this was ever a theoretically proposed title, but uh, there is a script that exists. This other, uh, this podcast called The Table Read has been reading it on their podcast, uh, but it was called uh, Bill and Ted's Friggin' Badass Voyage, which <laughs> I hate as a title. <laughs> um but uh, it was going to be a Bill and Ted movie without, without Keanu and, like, Bill may be played by somebody else. Because at the time, Keanu Reeves' agent said there is no way Keanu will ever do another Bill and Ted movie. It would ruin his career. Um, which Real nice sentiment. How far we've come in 13 years that, like, Keanu has ascended to the point where he can do anything he wants. And that's John, okay. John Wick will help that. Yeah. 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 And uh, I mean, I've been a, I've been because of my Bill and Ted diehardness. That's really what's made me a Keanu fan my whole life. But just like I love the resurgence in Keanu popularity, and I'm so glad that he was able to channel that into doing this, which is like, and that's like, aside from just the writers do, writing this, and aside from Alex Winter coming back and all this stuff, the fact that like Keanu would be like, because you know, this is a favor movie for him, basically. Oh yeah. Like the fact that he would do that favor which is not an easy favor to do. It's a performance. It's two months out of your life. It's like, you know, there's a bunch going along with that. Um, and that that's what, to me, made me never worry about what the quality of the movie was. It's like, we have Bill and Ted. We have the guys who created Bill and Ted. How could it go that wrong? They didn't have to make it. They, they didn't. made it because they oh. wanted to. Yeah. Because they were like, we have a story to tell the people like. And that's why it works, you know? It wasn't like some sequel that was forced or had a release date already in play or any of those things like that. Totally. And like let's not let's let's not discount the fact that like, you know, Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon are working screenwriters. Like mm. uh Ed Solomon maybe most famously wrote Men in Black, but like recently wrote um Steven Soderbergh's miniseries Mosaic on HBO, which like had this app where you could, it was kind of like a choose your own adventure kind of thing. And that's how it was originally presented. So like, and he, he's, he wrote now you see me as well. And like this other stuff. So it's like, these are working dudes and they wrote this movie on spec. Like they didn't get paid to do this at all. And to, I can't imagine asking a working writer just like, Hey, can you just draft something up? Just, you know, we're not going to pay you, but just, you know, kick something around. Well, it's like we said about the, the makeup uh, artists and things like that. It's like, it's, it's their baby. You know, like, yeah. so it's like we wrote the first movie the same way, you know, they wrote it just kind of on, on spec or on just they wanted kind of to write this movie. And, uh, you know, they feel an ownership towards it, obviously. Mm -hmm. And th they were like, well, let's do this. There's the demand for it, you know, obviously a groundswell to kind of help get it done. You know? Yeah. And uh, again, and it go which speaks to the quality. Yeah, totally. I love this movie, man. I'm really happy with I'm really happy with it. It's nice. It's nice in this crazy, crazy time to have like 
a cool new movie to talk about. You know, something yeah. you definitely would have paid to see in theaters. Though here's a question: Do you think if it was in theaters, it would have been a hit? I think it would have done okay, but I don't think it would have been like a huge hit. No, I think, I think it's, it's probably kind of gonna, I think it's, yeah, yeah. I think it's probably going to do better. I think it's going to do really well once once we see some streaming numbers, like some stri- mm. whatever revenue they got from VOD. Once we see that number, I think we'll be pretty impressed. I did read the weekend box office. Uh, New Mutants made seven million dollars somehow this weekend, yeah. and Bill and Ted came in number three at uh, one point oh six, I think, uh, through drive-ins basically. Um, but uh, I don't know if it would have been a hit. I don't even know what the release. I don't even know what the release would have been like in in a non-pandemic world. Um, I think kind of would have got buried. I mean, like, yeah, I people feel like, like it would have been us around... would have been excited about it, but yeah. you know, we would have still been talking about you know whatever huge movies. And the fact that it is the huge movie kind of is nice, yeah. but I yeah. don't think it was designed to be that. I think no. it was designed to be an August movie that gets the cult status like it's other you know and obviously the other movies were hits especially excel avenger but like excuse me um yeah i think it was more like that my cat yeah no it's crazy that it's like just uh kind of outpacing tenant as far as buzz right now totally <laughs> well people can watch this one yeah yeah exactly and it's and also it and it's it there i don't think there can be enough said for the fact that like this movie isn't mean this movie isn't cynical. This movie doesn't look down on anyone. This mm-hmm. movie has like a relentlessly positive attitude, a really nice message, and just a lot of love on the screen, and you can tell behind the camera as well. Um, and that's a feeling that I think a lot of us are looking for, like a genuine presentation of that feeling. It's not contrived in this movie. It doesn't feel like they're like, oh, we need to go for the emotional hook now. The emotional hooks just work because the material works and the performances work. There, yeah, yeah. I felt like it was. It's kind of you know, whether it would have been a hit or not. I think this is ultimately a great way for it to to be released. You know, totally. Obviously, we wish there wasn't a killer virus everywhere, but like at the same time, like for for it to come out now when everybody's kind of down, for it to come out when in a in a time when it can be kind of highlighted more than it might have in theaters. Um, as great as I'm sure to play in a the theater eventually, um, this feels right. It feels like a movie that wasn't like a, like Tenant. You know, I think the, that's a whole other podcast. But like the that's a movie that was made to be seen like that. And, and Chris Nolan movies, you know, get smaller as they do that, and, and they don't work as well. This was a movie that yeah would have been great on the big screen, but it works perfect here. Totally. And I think which is why they were like immediately embraced the VOD play where we can but let's just do it and they really like went all in on it and how financially successful that'll be but like even if it's not it's a movie that's going to find its audience it's going to make people happy now yeah and the work will end up being worth it totally well said i totally agree um yeah and just who i also want to credit this shout out to whoever is running the media machine behind this movie because they're doing a very good job getting these interviews and promos and stuff out there. I've been seeing nothing but Bill and Ted stuff for like the last week and a half. <laughs> yeah. It's been great. Um, also, Jermaine, I want to be respectful of your time. So if you need to bow out at any time, you just, yeah, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to get out here a little bit, guys. I have okay. uh, a dinner to make. I have cast. Yeah. No worries, man. <laughs> but um, thank you for having me. Thank uh, you very much awesome for joining to, us to, to virtually meet you guys and talk about this movie. It was great. And uh, maybe in a couple months when we go back to the galaxy far, far away, 
Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll talk again. Ah, Mando. Please. Oh yeah. That'd be Love great, man. Yeah. All right. Have a good night, guys. Thanks a lot, Jermaine. Later. Bye. Thank you. Excellent. Oh, that was nice. Yeah. Jermaine Lussier, everybody. Uh, that was super fun. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that dude. It was super fun to talk to him about this very, very geeky little movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Which... Oh, wait. Where's the sound cue? Yeah. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, man. I, I don't know what my further thoughts are on on Bill and Ted. I just... Uh, for me, if I... if I, it, Maybe I'll just go out a little bit of a stupid personal thing. I, I don't really understand how Bill and Ted have come to mean so much to me uh, throughout the course of my life. Um, but they do. I, I know that part of it is, um, is I mean, this is, I'm sorry to get heavy on a podcast. My, my dad passed away when I was five. You know this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm 34. I've, I've processed these emotions. So it's fine. But uh, the things that were my dad's influence that are still very much a part of me are things I hold more sacred than maybe other things that are interests of mine. These things include my favorite bands, Devo and They Might Be Giants, uh, a lot of just musicianship in general. He and my mom were both giant Twin Peaks fans. You know, like a lot of this stuff like genetically has passed down. But one of the things he did show me uh, before he passed was definitely at least Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I don't think uh, Bogus Journey was possible timeline-wise, but he definitely showed me Excellent Adventure like when I was five years old or younger. And these are just movies I watched all the time growing up. I had a, I had a VHS tape where uh, I, I taped off TV Bogus Journey, except it picked up maybe 20 minutes into the movie. But I just caught it. I was like, oh, blank tape. Record Bogus Journey right now. I'm like, you know, probably nine years old. And then at some at some other point uh, down the line, I'd caught a broadcast on like, you know, the WB or something of Excellent Adventure all like cut up for time and dubbed for audio censorship um, and taped that on the tape after Bogus Journey. And then sometime after that, I had found another Bogus Journey airing and just taped the first 20 minutes of Bogus Journey after excellent adventure so that the tape would stop after bogus journey it'd be ready at excellent adventure then i get to watch 20 minutes of bogus journey rewind the whole tape and then start from the beginning of the tape um and i don't yeah i don't know i have a complete set like behind me you can't really see it but on that shelf is a complete series of of these bill and ted action figures the kenner 1991 series i have reactions dolls back there too i've more i have a bill and ted poster there original bogus journey thing uh there are very few things that i was looking forward to reboot wise or new iteration wise more than this and travis it's done man like uh what more could possibly be redone i i I mean i've been thinking about this myself in my lifetime in my adult lifetime i've gotten new star wars i've gotten new evil dead I got new Twin Peaks and it was perfect. Um, That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> Reno nine one one came back and I got to work on it. Like all these things, everything I uh, clone high is getting rebooted with the original creators. Like literally everything I could ever think that there should be more of now, including Bill and Ted, there has been more of. And I have to say like Twin Peaks being a whole different category. Cause it broke television, but uh 
Bill and Ted is like, this is my favorite thing, man. Yeah. Um, no, that's crazy. It's just, yeah. All of the things, some of which have come back in a, in a good way. <laughs> and some yep. of which have, uh, you know, done, done what Bill and Ted face the music did. Where the people who were responsible for the property shepherded it correctly with love and care and did what they thought was correct and it was correct yeah yeah they did so before we like wrap up do you want to like go through like any other tidbits about the movie that uh (laughs) that you liked i've got a bunch of quotes i like yeah just quote me quote it quote it man Uh, (laughs) wait when when they go back in time uh, to the the marriage counseling and they're talking about future thems that are li- that are doing the open mics and Bill's like oh dude we are totally living in that van <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh, we'll fix it we'll fix it <laughs> just this face that Bill keeps doing this like it with two yeah. thumbs up totally uh, happy um, Bill face. When uh, when they go when the daughters go back and they show Louis Armstrong Jimi Hendrix playing guitar and they're showing him on the phone and he's just like, "What is this?" Yeah, <laughs> and he like you know calls some guys over and then you hear in the background you hear this one guy go, "What you got there, Lou? Hey, what's that doohickey?" <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that. I'm gonna have to yeah. listen to that next time. I wish there were more quotes. The only quote on IMDb is the quote about Clara Rockmore on theremin. And Clara Rockmore is an amazing theremin musician, by the way. That that's the one joke I got. Like this, like oh my god, there's a Clara Rockmore reference in this movie. Uh, what other quotes you got, man? Uh, Ted seriously, slow down on the vodka, dude. And then he just <laughs> continues to <laughs> chug it. Uh, yeah, I love that whole like subplot of. <laughs> future ted just turning into an alcoholic <laughs> that's another yeah. thing yeah and the that sequence where they're they're talking to the wives and he's like i got a bad drinking problem and like you don't drink he's like yeah but i'm gonna and we're <laughs> such liars because <laughs> we seriously appear to be living in our van oh dude we are totally living in that van and i'm drinking way too much darling you don't even drink not yet but i'm going to a lot yeah <laughs> And the lying. You cannot believe what liars we are. Yeah, desperate, pathetic, lying losers. Oh, we totally made it worse. Um, we're such liars. Yeah, man. Uh, I, w- I want to write down more quotes from this movie. Because uh, there's this one that I'm struggling to remember. And the, the verbiage is so perfect. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's, a, it's a Thea line. Uh, when Kid Cudi comes in and Kid Cudi like goes on his first whole time travel spiel and she responds. So this is some kind of error in our holographic dual field? Or is it a Wilsonian loop causing a temporal singularity? Well, seems to me your classical tautological causal circuit. I don't know. Seems like textbook entanglement to me. I must say, your understanding of our dire circumstance most impressive. You should put it to good use and help us save reality. Yeah. Something, it's, it's, it's this movie's version of when Bill tells Billy the Kid, you are dealing with the oddity of time travel with the greatest of ease. It's this movie's <laughs> equivalent of that line. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of really, there's a lot of such fun dialogue in this movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I, if I have anything more to say about this movie. I love it to death. Uh, there are things you could nitpick. 
but why bother? Yeah. Yeah, no, you, you could do the thing that, that Bruce Willis tells uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt version of himself in the diner, where like we can we can walk around and do all the uh, <laughs> the explaining, but we're not going to do that. This movie does not do that. <laughs> yeah, and we don't want that. We got everything we wanted out of this movie. And to the people who uh, who are upset by the things that you can't really explain, I'm sorry, it's not the movie for you, man. Yeah. Like that that's a bummer to me. It's also a bummer to me. I do want to say there are there is a vocal minority, much like there is an angry vocal minority in this country. There is a angry vocal minority about this movie who are just mad as hell that women have a large part to do with it. <laughs> They're mad as hell that Bill and Ted have daughters and not sons and that like there's this I've seen more than one person comment, every new character in the first 20 minutes is a woman and I'm just like no, it's not. <laughs> it's just actually factually not. There are too um, many Mary Sues in this movie, Alex. <laughs> it's so dumb. Um, just get get over yourselves, people. Like this movie is asking you to laugh and love. That's all the movie is asking you to do. And I think it does both of those things. It made me do both of those things. I love this movie, and it makes my heart happy. Yeah. Uh... So, um, so those are my words on Bill and Ted Face the Music. If if should should for God forbid anybody that worked on Bill and Ted Face the Music listen to this podcast at some point, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for everything you've done because this was the movie that I needed in 2020. My favorite movie of the year by far. Yeah, I think it's a movie that I, I think a lot of the world needed in 2020. Yeah, the world needs Bill and Ted. Station. Yeah. Um, um so yeah and again thanks to jermaine for joining us that was yes. awesome that was most resplendent to have jermaine join us for, for bill and ted chats mm-hmm. and again you can uh find jermaine's work at gizmodo and io9 um you can find him at jermaine lucier on twitter um which we will tag him in the uh, the show notes for this episode and uh so until then or i guess until next time uh Here's some some info coming up. We've got uh, Boys Banter starting next week in which you and I and Dustin are going to be covering season two of the Amazon Prime series, The Boys. And we're covering the first three episodes Yes. on the first episode, right? Because it's a dump. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have no option. Yeah. I'm excited for the opposite feeling of Bill and Ted that is The Boys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I'll probably watch Bill and Ted another two times before we talk again, so. <laughs> um, so I'm psyched for that. Come back for Boys Banter with us and Dustin Meadows. Yes. And uh, then coming up uh, in October, we still don't know when exactly. Uh, we still don't even have a trailer, which I thought there was going to be a trailer drop over the weekend because Star Wars Celebration was supposed to happen this weekend. In another oh, yeah. Timeline. But... Uh, Mandalorian and Mandalorian Minute will be coming back in October when that does happen. Uh, so stay tuned for that as well. And uh, in the meantime, Alex, uh, where can people find more of you? Check out what Travis did in this lower third. You can find me at Alex Brunel on Twitter and Instagram. Check it totally out. Yeah, that'll be a constant thing now, I think, on all the streams. Nice. So. And what about this show? Talk about where people can find this show. 
you can find the show at Who Watches Pod on Twitter, uh, on Instagram. We stream live to Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch every week. And you can listen to an audio version of this podcast uh, on any podcast uh, catcher of your choice, whether it's Apple Podcast or Stitcher or Spotify, you name it. Um, please subscribe, leave reviews, uh, and you can uh, email the show at whowatchespodcast at gmail.com. Indeed. And if I may, and please finish me out on this one, be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. Each other. And <laughs>